Welcome to Grandiose Grammar. I'm Aoife, a grammar enthusiast and a lecturer at Philips Universität Marburg. This week's podcast is a response to a question from Laura G. I will read to you the question and then we're going to dig into this complex topic. I'm diving into functional grammar at the moment, reading Halliday in particular, and that's where I stumbled upon my question. He lists will as in I will be there tomorrow as a temporal operator for the future, but also as a modal operator for medium positiveness. If someone uses the will future, how can I interpret if he or she means this in a future way or in a median modality way? He or she is not so certain about the proposition or proposal. And if the will future only ever expresses median modality, how do I express certainty for the future? This is a great question and it gets to the heart of a debate that's been going on amongst grammarians and linguists for decades. Today I'll be referencing a whole lot of academic articles. Where possible, I'll link to them on grandiosegrammar.com in the blog entry marked number 24. And I'll provide a reading list for anyone who would like to do their own reading and research. The dominant paradigm in English is that there are only two morphological tenses, past and present. Future time tends to be thought of by grammarians as a semantic category. So far, this isn't tricky at all. We'll start with the easiest part of Laura's inquiry. How do I express certainty for the future? Let's start by listing ways to refer to the future, and then we'll categorise them as certain or uncertain. I'm going to use a list of future time references as presented by Geoffrey Leach in Meaning and the English Verb. I'd argue that the future use of the present simple is certain. For example, the train leaves at four o'clock. The train will leave whether I'm on it or not. That's a certainty. We've also got the subordinate future, which is the use of the present simple in a subordinate clause like I'll take a break if I fall ill. Fall is present simple in the subordinate clause. So this is uncertain. Maybe I'll be ill. Maybe I won't. Then we have will or shall plus the infinitive, which I would say is less certain and more likely to be a short range forecast or prediction. For example, with this coronavirus, things will get worse before they get better. In a sliding scale of certainty, this is fairly certain. Even constructions like the past in the future are simply predictions. I'll have used up all the tissues in this house by the time I'm over this virus. Again, this is fairly certain if I know that I've got a runny nose. In constructions with be going to plus the infinitive like I'm going to take a walk, the agent is human and so the expression is will or intention. But just because something is my intention doesn't mean it will actually come to pass. So this has an element of uncertainty. Leach calls this future as an outcome of present intent. Because we're capable of changing our minds, This is not 100% certain, so I'd say it's likely, but not certain. The be going to plus infinitive construction can also indicate what Leach calls a future outcome of present cause. More people are going to fall ill with coronavirus. We know that the virus is spreading in the community. This is a future event that has present cause. Because we have evidence for the future outcome, this is fairly certain to come to pass. So I would say on the sliding scale, this is likely to certain. When the present progressive is used to refer to future in constructions like we're all doing a few weeks of working from home, 
This indicates that something is planned, making it fairly certain to happen. Leach also claims that will plus progressive can be used to indicate a temporary situation in the future. I'll be preparing my classes over the next few weeks. This is quite likely, and it includes volition. It's my intention to do this. There's also future as a matter of course. We're all going to be spending a whole lot more time indoors for the next few weeks. This is also quite likely. In sum, certainty and future time could be viewed as a sliding scale with different degrees of certainty or likelihood in which will is often not an indicator of the level of certainty of a future happening. Now, one of the things almost all grammars do is deal with time and modality as separate entities. If you pick up any grammar book you own, or indeed any school book, you'll find that tense is usually dealt with separately from modality. As long as they're viewed as separate entities, it's easy to ignore Laura's question regarding will future versus modality. As long as we're only thinking of will as a future time category or simply as a modal of volition or prediction, there's no problem at all. We can easily look at the following sentence as being future time related. I will take a holiday in September. Or we could view it as volition. It's my intention to take a holiday. How do we delineate those two categories of meaning? As soon as we view modality and futurity as being possible at the same time, it quickly becomes difficult to answer the question of whether future time has certainty or not. In advanced English grammar, a linguistic approach, De Pretera and Langford support this view, quote, volitional modal will and future can be hard to tease apart. It's not inconceivable that it can have both future and volitional modal meaning at the same time, end quote. So where does this leave us? Obviously, we are now in the territory of what some linguists would suggest is fuzzy grammar, and there is no clear-cut boundary between future time meaning for will and its modal meaning. This is probably one of the reasons why Halliday suggests will and would are median modal operators. Having said that, there is empirical data which suggests that often these two things are separate entities. Raphael Salki, quoting Bibber et al., notes that about 90% of occurrences of will in the British National Corpus have a future time reference. This implies that the other 10% of uses are modal occurrences of will in the category of volition and prediction. In terms of modality, standard grammars tend to argue for nine central modals. Can, could, will, would, shall, should, may, might and must. This all seems fairly understandable and logical, doesn't it? However, there are grammarians and linguists who have challenged this status quo, and I'll come back to that in a moment. As I've already mentioned, modality is generally concerned with possibility and necessity. The dominant paradigm means that we view may, might, must, could, and can, but not with ability, and should as fulfilling these possibility and necessity meanings. De Pretera and Langford claim, quote, modal auxiliaries tell us that a situation is either possible or that it is possible for someone to do something, end quote. For example, you can listen to my podcast. This is possible. They also claim that modals suggest that a situation is necessary or it's necessary for someone to do something. For example, hands must be washed frequently, or you must wash your hands frequently. Furthermore, 
they note that will, shall and would communicate volition and I quote, it is difficult to determine precisely in what ways possibility or necessity is being communicated, end quote. So as we can see, some grammars only include will as a modal because of its volitional meaning. In the paper Degrees of Modality, the linguist Raphael Salki outlines the criteria for modality as follows. Firstly, there's the category of possibility and necessity. This excludes both can for ability and will as modals. Secondly, there's deontic modality, which relates to obligation. Again, will fails in this category as its modal meaning is that of volition or prediction. The third criterion is that of subjectivity, which has three subcategories. I quote Salki. One, commitment by the speaker. Two, primary pragmatic processes. And three, a sharp distinction between the modal expression and the propositional content, end quote. According to Salki, future will fulfills the second of these three subjectivity criteria, but not the first or the third. The fourth and final criterion is that the modal be at one of the extremes of the modal scale. Neither volition nor prediction are at extremes on the modal scale. In 2010, Salki went on to write a paper titled Will, Tensor Modal or Both? In that paper, he claims that the arguments for will as being future tense are far stronger than those which support will as a modal. Moreover, he argues that the volitional meaning of will is a relic from Old English. Lobeck and Denham, in Navigating English Grammar, explain that the Old English verb willan meant to wish or desire and that will began to dominate as a future reference in Middle English, so think Chaucer. Salki also says, and I quote, To account for volitional uses of will, I propose that willingness is a semantic relic from an earlier meaning of this word. There is no need to treat will as a modal marker to account for its other non-temporal uses, all of them can be derived from its basic future time sense. End quote. Salki posits some very convincing arguments for will as a future tense marker with the exception of will as a marker of volition. The argument that volition is a semantic relic is convincing and the evidence overwhelmingly favours that. Having said that, I don't think the dominant paradigm in prescriptive grammar will change too quickly. Firstly, many schoolbooks tend to refer to all of the combinations of tense and aspect simply as tenses. This glosses over the grammarian claim that there are only two tenses, and I would say this errs on the side of the linguist with regard to future time being a tense. Secondly, most learners of English will never become so involved with grammar that they raise this type of question, which makes it unlikely that there will be a standardised recategorization of central modals to the detriment of those modals that fall into the volition category. Should we be highlighting the fact that will, in particular, is an oddball when it comes to tense and modality? And how do you think that would impact our teaching? Let me know in the comments on the blog. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, feel free to contact me via the contact form on grandiosegrammar.com or over on Twitter. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.